0: seems like it 's one of those mornings where we could just keep worshiping doesn 't it? it really does thank you I tell you and uh, special thank you to Jeffrey too. I mean, what he forgets is that I actually am up here last so <laughs> <Bring it on. laughs> well, a guy goes on to a uh, job interview and he He's, you know, waiting, and he's, some, he's finally called into the office, and he meets the manager who's going to do the interviewing. And at one point in the interview, the manager asks, so what do you think is your worst quality? And the man replies, I am probably too honest. And the manager says, well, you know, that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a good thing when people are honest. And the man replies, I don't really care what you think. <laughs> So my guess is he probably didn't get the job, so, but uh, I figured since it was Labor Day weekend, it certainly would be wise to talk about work, and we're going to continue our series shooting straight, and I actually had a number of questions about work, so I entitled the message this morning, Why Work, and I'm kind of excited for what the answer is going to be, too, so, you know, trying to figure that out, so, all right, Lord, I just thank you for the gift of humor, and Thank you most of all for you and the opportunity we've had just to worship together. What an incredible privilege that is. And Now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would even come in greater measure than you are. Because I believe the word this morning could be revolutionary. But I know that only you, Holy Spirit, can make it real. I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head that I would truly speak your words this morning. And I'm just thanking you for what you're going to accomplish now, how your word can truly set us free when we really take the truth and begin to walk it out in faith. And so I'm just, again, thanking you for what you're going to do now, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, one of the things that's kind of clear to me as I was reading, and I do a lot of reading, and in particular... The financial pages. And, you know, one of the big uh, things that's, that's out there now is people want to be financially free. It's kind of the buzzword. And, and you know what that means? They want to retire early. I mean, people are actually looking to retire in their 30s, in their 40s, and in their 50s. In fact, Ford's magazine published an article not too long ago that started out this way by saying this We all dream of retiring early. But for most of us, that's all it is, a dream. Then they go on to explain how that dream might become a reality in your life. One article that I was reading had kind of an interesting headline. Can regular people with regular boring jobs retire early too? One thing is clear. Most people or a lot of people in America really don't enjoy their jobs. They're not finding much satisfaction in their jobs. In fact, CBS News reported last year, two-thirds of Americans are disengaged from their work. Gallup reported that out of 100 million full-time employees in the United States, 51% are not engaged at work. And what that means is they feel no real connection to their jobs, and thus they tend to do the Bare minimum. Gallup said that another 16% of Americans are actively disengaged from their jobs, meaning they resent their jobs, and they spend much of their time griping to their fellow co-workers, and they bring the entire office morale down. So I guess it is fair to say that most Americans are really not finding a lot of joy and satisfaction in their work. It's not really too fulfilling for them, and thus it's not surprising That I receive questions like, why did God create work? Is it a sin not to work? And finally, I don't like my job. Can I quit and find a new job? I think a good place to start in answering these questions is really to look at God's perspective on work. It is interesting to note, you know, if you just open up your Bible, and it's a good thing to do, you know, it's actually it's really good just to open a book up rather than your app, you know. But you start in Genesis chapter 1, right out of the chute. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then Jesus tells us in the book of John chapter 5 and verse 17 this, my father is always working and so am I. Now, I want you to note, though, God's response to his work. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, it states, Then God looked over all that he had created, and he said, I am retiring to Florida. This work thing is for the birds. Is that what it says? No, it says that he looked over all that he had created, and he said, It is very Good. I want you to know God just didn't make up work. It's a part of him. Do you understand that God works because it's his nature to work? It's interesting. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that humans, that would be us, we are made in the image of God, so we should be like him. And it's not too surprising that God said to Adam and Eve, and this is before the fall, before the fall he said this in Genesis chapter 1, and verse 28. Skip, can you put it up? God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, we're given this bit of information. Skip, can you put it up? The Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. No hint of drudgery here. In fact, work is really viewed as a blessing. It's viewed as a good thing. In fact, it's viewed as a great thing. But, you know, as we have seen, not most people view their work really that way, at least in America. And it's funny, 3,000 years ago, King Solomon echoes how many Americans do feel about their work because he said this in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2 and verse 17. Skip put it up. So I hated life. Can you believe that? King Solomon. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. You feel that way sometimes about your work? Sure you do. Many of us do. Now, really, Solomon should not have been surprised that work carries a certain amount of drudgery to it. It, it. it carries a certain amount of futility to it because in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, and yes, God forgave them, but listen to me, there are always consequences, temporal consequences to sin. Did you know that? And I, I wish we would understand, yes, you can be forgiven, but there are still temporal consequences to sin. And here's what Adam faced as a temporal consequence to his rebellion. It said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, this. Now listen, in following, Skip put it up. Because you listen to your wife, and all the husbands in here are groaning, yes, that's my problem too. No, I'm just kidding. It's, don't send me hate fan mail, all right, or anything like that. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since it's from where you were taken. For dust you are. And dust you will return. Well, now that we're all sufficiently encouraged. No, we're not encouraged, actually, are we? These verses, quite honestly, are rather sobering. But you know what? They do reflect reality. They do reflect reality. And in that great theological work, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, we see the dwarfs go marching off to work. I ho, I ho, it's off to work I go. It's, it's exactly what we do, right? Anybody do that? Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. No, what the average American says, i owe, i owe. so it's off to work I go, right? Isn't that the truth? You know, it's because of the curse, though, you have to understand. and, and there, there is a certain amount of drudgery and futility that's going to come with your work. With my work, it's, just going to ha- it's not always going to be really fulfilling. So the obvious question, you know, is why even work? What is the point of work? Well, let me just start off, you know, giving some answers here. Let me just give you one very practical reason why you should work. In the New Testament book, uh, Paul was writing to the Thessalonians believers. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says these words, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 10, those unwilling to work, will not eat. Now, that's what you call motivation. Now, I don't know about you. I really enjoy eating. In fact, the truth of the matter is, I love eating. And you know what? I'm going to work. I'm going to work. All kidding aside, though, in the first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul writes these enlightening words. Skip, can you put them up First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 11 and 12? Put those up. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Do you know that work is really a gift? You ever thought about that? Work is really a gift. Think about this. Do you know that the God of the universe, he could have just sent us daily care packages and, you know, he could have put us in this really nice, pristine environment. Think about it, where everything is taken care of, and all you need to do is, is, is be on your porch, on, in your rocking chair, rocking back and forth, popping bonbons into your hat, and in, into your mouth, and just being fat, dumb, and happy, right? Wrong. See, the reality is most of us, we might think that would be great, but it really wouldn't work out for most of us. Do you know that work gives us a certain amount of dignity? Working gives us a certain amount of dignity. In fact, God allows us the privilege of actually taking care of ourselves. And that is why people who cannot work or who choose not to work actually struggle emotionally and really have self-worth issues. Paul tells us that when we find productive work, just think about it. When you find productive work and you can take care of yourself, you can take care of your family, you can even help others who are in need, your soul comes alive. I mean, it, it really, there's a f- really fulfilling aspect when we're able to do that. So I want us to see work really is a good thing, especially when you find a job that's using your gifts and your talents. So I'm, I'm going to say to you this right out of the chute. Ask God. Say, God, say, Papa, please help me to find a job. Help me to find a job that that, that really suits my giftings, my passions, the talents that you have given me so that I can bring you great glory. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. There is absolutely nothing wrong with praying, Lord, please give me a job that suits my gifts, my talents, the passions you've given me so that I can bring you great glory. Now you know what the problem comes in? The problem comes in when we find ourselves, you know, in a work environment that's kind of negative, that's not fun, that 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 is actually quite difficult. The Apostle Peter actually addresses this situation. He addresses it in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 18. Skip, can you put it up for us? You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, and not only if they are kind and reasonable. But even if they are cruel, let these words now sink in. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Think about your work situation now. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God calls you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He made He is an example. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. The truth of the matter is, is we always don't find ourselves in great work situations. You know, a couple years ago, there was a a show, a television show on the Discovery Channel, and it was entitled, or was called, Dirty Jobs. Skip, can you put up the, the graphic there? Anybody remember that? Mike Rao was the host, and he would open up the program by saying these words. My name is Mike Rao, and my this is my job. I explore the country looking for people who aren't afraid of getting dirty. Hardworking men and women who earn an honest living doing the kinds of jobs that make civilized life possible for the rest of us. Now get ready to get dirty. And Rao on his show, he featured such dirty jobs as roadkill collector catfish noodler, a shark suit tester, a penguin keeper, a baloney maker, and a hot tar rougher. My guess is most of us don't have jobs like that. Maybe jobs as difficult as that or as hard as that. But I want you to understand something. But because of the curse, and the Bible is clear, because of the curse, the fall, oftentimes our work will be painfully difficult for us. Probably one of the greatest challenges to Americans because we have the sense of entitlement is that we ought to think, we think that our jobs ought to be fun. We think we're entitled to having a fun job. Peter makes that clear. That's simply not true. Now, you know what I really find interesting? You know, Jesus is my hero and I pray that he's your hero. What I find interesting is go ahead and search the New Testament. He never addresses the job of working. Did you know that? And I was looking at it and said, dang, I have to do this message. And Jesus really doesn't address. In fact, he, he never goes into someone's house and says, wow, that's, that's an incredible table you made. Those chairs are awesome. That vase is absolutely beautiful. I find that interesting. Now, please notice, he never disparages the disciples' work. But what he does do is he redeems their work. And the question is, how does he do this? Skip, put up Matthew chapter 4. I find it interesting. Now, this is the interesting part. This is worth the entry fee this morning. Right here. Now, watch this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they finished, they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and i will show you how to fish for people and they left their nets at once and they followed him and they followed him you know we sadly live in a time in america and i'm going to address this in a couple weeks but we live in a time in america where i believe we are approaching the end times and i'm going to make a distinction between the last days and the end times but we, we are approaching that point. There's going to be a lot of false teaching, sadly, out there. And you have people, you have preachers actually saying that God calls people to secular vocations. God calls people to secular vocations. Like, God calls some people to be lawyers. You know, my question to you is, why are there no lawyers in heaven then? No, I'm just kidding. My, sister, my, my, my sister's a lawyer, all right. She's probably going to listen to this. Just, just kidding. All right. But seriously, there are teachers who will tell you that God calls people to secular vocations. Jesus calls people to secular vocations like doctors and lawyers and carpenters and you know, professional athletes, you know professional singers, politicians, you name it. And they are just as valid. Now listen to this as being called into the ministry. I absolutely disagree with this. And the reason why I disagree with this is because it's not biblical. Think about it this way. Think about the Christians in China or India. I've visited India on numerous occasions. And I would love to bring some of these teachers, some of these preachers who tell you this. And do you realize that almost all of the Christians in India are of the Dalit class? You know what that means? It means they're untouchables. Now I would love for them to go, you know, to these Dalits, these people who are in the untouchables. And I want you to know that God is calling you. Can you imagine now? These people are living on less than two dollars a day. God's calling some of you to be doctors, some of you to be lawyers, some of you to be professional cricket players, some of you to be politicians. They would look at you like you're a loony. You don't understand the caste system. They're Dalits, they're untouchables. They're gonna do menial labor. All of their life. They're not getting out of it. They're not going to make anything more than $2 a day. Now, does God hate them? Does God not have and call them to a secular vocation? There you see some of them. Day in, day out, seven days a week, they do menial labor for $2 a day. I mean, does God really, really have nothing for these people Let me tell you something. In the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, no, no, I thought about this, this message. Jesus does something incredibly revolutionary. He tells the disciples, you know what? It's great that you're fishermen. It's all right. Not a bad job. In fact, some professions are better than other professions. They actually have a benefit to society. But he says, I'm going to give you something greater. I'm going to give you a higher a greater calling. I'm going to have you fish for the souls of men. They, they are eternal. The apostle Paul writes these penetrating words in 1 Corinthians and chapter 7. He writes this. Watch what Paul writes. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Look what he says. Wow, freak out. No, he says, don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you are a slave, when the Lord calls you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord calls you, you are now a slave of Christ. I like how Jeff prayed that earlier this morning. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Each of you should remain where you are when God first called. You know, the the, the inferences in this passage are incredible. It really doesn't matter where you are. It really doesn't matter what secular job you have or where you work. Because, see, we live in a fallen world. It's a broken world. And God can use you right where you are. God can use you right where you are to make a huge difference. Now, listen to this. Paul later writes these incredibly powerful words. This is a challenge this morning. Please let these words speak to you out of Colossians in chapter 3. Slaves. You know how I had a professor, Howard Hendricks. He, He was great. He's dead now. He goes, gentlemen, just forget slave. Just put employee. Employees obey your earthly managers in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are hovering over you. Serve them, your company, sincerely because of your reverent fear for your boss. No, the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for your boss for a higher paycheck. For the Lord rather than for people. See, he's transforming everything now how we look at work. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Three powerful conclusions, and we're out of here about work. Number one, no matter what job you have, no matter where you are working right now, your boss is Jesus your, it'll transform you, you go to work, your boss, my boss is not Jeff, thank God for that, no, or the elders, my boss is Jesus, and I, no, no, I fear him and I work hard because I am serving him, and I pray that it's important. It's important that you have a good attitude, that you're one of the best workers. Why? Because your witness for Jesus is on the line. Please understand that. Number two, we as Christians are going to have different jobs. Every one of us is going to, it's, it's, and it's okay, and we're going to have different paychecks, We're in, in, in all of that. Any job, by the way, is really permissible, as long as it's not unethical and immoral or violate your conscience. Do you hear me? Any job will do, because there's people. Any job will do, as long as it doesn't violate your conscience, and it's not immoral or unethical. And finally, number three, the most important thing. We Christians have a different job, but each of us has the same calling. Listen to that now. We all may have different earthly jobs, but we all have the same calling. We are all called to be fishers of people. This is what's not told and understood in American Christianity. Jesus, some of his final words in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20, he said this, all authority, it's important, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Because he has all authority, he says, you go, 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 you go out there. And you make disciples. You have been given the greatest calling on planet earth. You get to change people's souls for all of eternity. And then you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples all that I have taught you. And remember, every day you go to work, I'm going to be with you Every day you go to work, every day I will never leave you. I will be with you in this most important mission. The truth is, your job doesn't matter because, see, it's going to pass away. But the people around you, do you understand they're eternal? They're either going to go to heaven and they're going to be with God for all of eternity, or they're going to go to hell. And be separated. Man, you you, you talk about serious. I mean, this is serious business. And don't ask me why he would ever entrust you and you and you and me with so many souls. But we're supposed to be that ambassador. We're supposed to be impacting people. You have been given the greatest calling in all of life. There's no one on planet Earth that has a greater calling than you to be fishers of people. Please don't stoop to be an earthly king. Do not stoop to be an earthly king. And you want a a real witnessing opportunity? You want one? You sure? No, I'm serious. You want one? Few of you do. Some of you are going, I don't know, I don't trust the preacher. That's probably smart. Here it is. Next time someone asks you what you do, do not tell them that you're a doctor or you're a carpenter. Blow their minds and say, I fish for people's souls. Can you imagine? They'll go, what? I fish for people's souls. Now that will generate a conversation. Lord, I pray that we take to heart the words, your words. They're not Frank Ray's. Your words. They are revolutionary. They are life-changing. They can take a job that's full of drudgery and give it new meaning and new purpose. As we think about, wow, you gave me to be the ambassador here at this place, at this job. You, you call me to be the path. You call me to fish for souls. And we begin to actually pray, not cursing the people around us. But we begin to pray for our bosses, we, our coworkers. Lord, give me favor. Give me the strength to be the best worker and witness possible so that I can share the greatest news ever that their lives can change and be different because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. Ah, May that be beating in our breasts, I pray. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen.
1: Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website, at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's Bcc delma Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.